Welcome to Cancelled. I am very sorry for the delay in getting this episode out. <laughs> it's been a minute. Uh, both of us went out of town alternating weeks. I was stuck in Vegas for a while. It's just it's been crazy busy on our ends, but we're back. We're going to get these things out to you, I promise. Uh, we're watching Adventure Briscoe County Jr. Who's here? Michael Folk's here. Hello. That's how uh, you know it's a good podcast, because we're jet setters. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's exactly right. We're so busy. Like, yeah, I can't stay in one city. That's the problem with this podcast. Yeah, so yeah, that's why you know you're listening to something good. <laughs> How's it been? <clears throat> How's your travels? It's been good. Denver was dope. Um, I did get a little sick while I was there, though, and I'm getting over it, so it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Get a little rested. What were you doing? The festival out there? Was that right? Yeah, it was like the last weekend ever of Crom Festival. Word. It was really fun. Like mm-hmm. I met a lot of really dope folks from like Minneapolis and LA, and it was really nice. Sweet. Uh, I just got back from the Crapshoot Comedy Festival in Las Vegas, which was super fun. Shout out to everybody who got me way too drunk and then let me gamble. That was super fun. Uh, did you win any money? I did not win a dime. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, let's get into it, because, whoo, um, Briscoe for the Defense. It's the first episode we watched. Yes. And it's the first episode that I kind of wasn't thrilled with. It was a little... It's a sit-down episode. It's Matlock, right? Yeah. It's, like a, it's a Matlock episode, essentially. And this is an adventure show. Like, so it's, it's in the name. Right. <laughs> it is, yeah, it's it's not the courtroom proceedings of Briscoe County Jr. Yeah, that would be a different show. Um, and as such, I found it a bit boring. Uh-huh. And I found... I mean, we'll get to the end. I found the end very implausible. But let's just set up the episode to begin with. Uh, I will say this, this first... Of these three, is kind of a trend I'm seeing in these next few episodes where the opening is real short and they get right fucking to it. There's not a lot of like yeah. farting around in the beginning. The opening episode is like, so the premise is he's going to meet an old friend of his who's asked for help. And then that old friend gets arrested for murder. He's being set up. And Briscoe has to prove that he's innocent. But the opening of this is he's like, he shows up at the house. He's like, hey, where are you? The guy's like, I'm in here. I'm in a lot of trouble. I, uh, I, I'm really, I think I got to run or whatever. And then immediately, there's a bunch of bullets flying through the wall, and he's arrested. Like, it's maybe two minutes. Yeah. Uh, which I was, I was like, oh, okay, this shit's moving. This is going, you know what I mean? Like, it's going quick. That is the only action in the episode. The only action in the episode. <laughs> I think Briscoe gets punched in the stomach a couple times. Oh, that is true. Uh, um, there is a, a running, uh, I, I, see, I don't want to say a running gag, because I only do it maybe two or three times. I wish they kept it up the whole time. But, uh, so the... So there's, so the guy basically gets uh, Briscoe to be his lawyer because Briscoe is also a lawyer um, from Harvard. Because Briscoe is everything from Harvard. Exactly. Yes. Apparently, if you just go to Harvard, you are qualified to do all things. Yes. You're, you're a doctor because he was making diagnoses in the previous episodes uh-huh. of that kid. Uh, but the the courtroom is in a saloon, which I love that they like they. Uh, Briscoe's like you can't have court in a saloon and. Uh, the lawyer's like, you can't if my courtroom's being painted, which is just, like, the easiest way of not having to make another set. You know what I mean? For just, sure. Like, we already have, we're going to use this bar a couple times, so let's just have court be in here. No, it's character motivation. I also like that they keep calling it a cafe. That was my gag. That was the running <laughs> gag that I liked, because it would be from off screen. You'd hear the, like, the, the, he says, we can have a, a, a court in a, in a saloon, and the bartender's like, cafe. But then they do that from, like, off screen, like, two or three times, and I, re- I enjoyed it. I kind of wish they kept that gag yeah. going. I thought it was really pleasant. Also, his lawyer buddy, I've never thought of describing someone this way. What well, he is flaxen haired. <laughs> he is very he has flaxen. very pretty hair. It's uh it's blonde to the point of yellow. Yeah. And like fine like doll hair. Yeah, like. it's like it's very it's like wheat. <laughs> it was, it was, it was striking. He, he also says a weird thing at one point, because uh so Briscoe says uh, you know, he's like, I need a day to familiarize myself with the case. They want to just go on with the trial right away or whatever. Mm-hmm. He needs a day to familiarize himself with the case. So they have a recess till noon the next day. And Briscoe's like, don't worry, I'll get you a real lawyer by tomorrow. And he's like, I don't want a real lawyer. I've got you. That's a dumb sentence. Like, you should want a real lawyer. I don't understand. <laughs> like, that just doesn't make any sense. You know, you want a lawyer that you've, like, thrown back a couple beers with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's how people used to talk about when they voted for Bush. They're like, ah, like a president, you can sit down, have a beer. <laughs> that worked out great. Uh, um, the sheriff is kind of, is like a bad guy. Right away, he's beating up. 
Briscoe and not letting him see his client. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. He's got he's got the evil smile. Like I, I love mm-hmm. a I love a good evil smile sure. bad guy where he's just sort of like. Um, I feel like he's he's like the bad guy in um in barbershop. Like that's just real smiley that tries to buy the shop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um who by the way, can we I would like to go back to talk about Flax and Hair Buddy again. He is a terrible actor. Oh, he's not great. He is like maybe the first person on this show who's just like real bad. Uh, first person who's got like a main, like a big role. There's been some little extras and whatever. Yeah, fine. I think he was just guys. pretty. Like I think that like that someone was like, "You're pretty. You're gonna be a star." Yeah. Uh huh. He just. <sighs> this episode is very weird. Not weird, but like there's just decisions made and points that I'm just like that doesn't make any sense. At one point, so the the crown, the, the town just wants him dead. They're gonna. There's a lynch mob shows up at one point to take him out of the jail. The sheriff is like, I don't give a fuck. Take him, kill him. He's clearly against the guy. Yeah, and so they think that he killed who? Okay, so there's a rich man who kind of runs this town. Uh, I cannot remember his name. Something Crow? I think yeah, was his last name. I think so. Um, but here's what's weird. So the crowd is immediately like, wants this guy dead. They're leading the lynch mob. But he's the, the man who was murdered. It was a dick to like everybody. Yeah, they make a very a point of how like this guy, like if you could, if he couldn't get what he wanted like straight up, then he would come at you like dirty, and he would like get fucking information on you or whatever, and blackmail you or or just drive you out of town. So like the fact that the town is so immediately ready to kill for his memory just seems very weird. Uh, also, there's a moment there where they come in for the lynch mob. And then they walk into the jail cell, and they just open his jail cell and take the guy out. So the cell's not locked, uh, which I get. Maybe the sheriff is like, oh, he left the door open because he knew the lynch mob was coming. Yeah. But then why doesn't that guy just leave? I don't understand. <laughs> like, you can't have it both ways. It was a very strange move. Um, Socrates is just a fucking idiot. Socrates shows up because he's going to be, like, the real lawyer. Yes, because um, he, like, Briscoe calls him in, right? Briscoe calls yeah. him. Briscoe sends for him, which I also, like... How close is this town? Because it's not like he can hop in and call an Uber and get there real fast. They you know? traverse the American West so quickly. So quickly. Like, Everything is right next to each other. And they, they say, like, they're going to, like, Jalisco. They're going, like, up to Northern California. They go from Jalisco they- to San Francisco. We'll get to that episode because there's a line that I really enjoy. But, yeah, they're going from San Francisco to, like, Montana and everybody's so taking quickly. like a night. It's everybody's like the next morning. People are showing up on horses. <laughs> At most, sometimes they're walking. I don't think. I don't think uh, uh, Socrates rides a horse. Like he just I don't know. shows it, up. It's very quick. Um, there's a couple of weird. So the so we find out that the friend of Briscoe's has been sleeping with the wife of the guy who died, um, and. They think that's why he killed her. That's why they think he killed her. Like foul play, him. yeah. Foul play, whatever. And she's a badass. She's a super badass. At one point, so she saves him from the fucking lynching. Because she shows up and shoots the rope, because he's about to be lynched. Mm-hmm. Um, and shoots the rope and saves him. Uh, she's like punching people. She's a badass. There's also a nurse that works for... So here's the other thing I didn't understand. This guy's a doctor. The friend yes. of whatever is a doctor. He's been brought to this town because the man who's dead, who was murdered, set up a lab for him. He's like, he set up my dream lab for me to just do research or whatever. He's like a doctor slash scientist in this town. Uh, why? So I think it's... Okay, so what we find out... and I, I'm, What, go, we, go what we find out is that he was trying to buy the black sheriff's uh, ranch. And... That he wouldn't sell, so he's like, "You either sell, or I'm going to poison your herd." And he basically gives the the herd hoof and mouth disease, uh, which to me it's like, well, then why? Like, I get that you like he won't sell, so you kill his. That's just revenge. It's not like that's going to make him sell because now he doesn't he doesn't have a fucking herd to sell you or whatever. Uh, but we find out that the doctor was like working on a vaccine for hoof and mouth disease or something. It's very convoluted, yeah, because, like, then also the horned-up nurse... No, by the way, uh, the uh, three episodes, 
Three horned up women across the board. Either you are a very capable badass woman, yeah. or you are starving for dick. You like, are so sexually <laughs> aggressive. Uh, this woman, so this nurse is literally just like, uh, so what's your deal? You with somebody? Like he says to her, like to Briscoe right away. You're probably taken, huh? And he's like, well, aren't you? She's like, no. Uh, but she basically says like she wanted Matt this whole time, but Matt doesn't isn't interested in her. Matt's the friend, the lawyer friend. But she's like every dude that walks past, like what's up with you? Like you got that free dick? What's going on? Like she's not insane. Yeah, it's very like, aggressive. It's very aggressive. And so it's all there's all these like weird love triangles and land grabs and like it's it is for an episode where not a lot happened. There is I I actually did enjoy like the twists and turns of it. I was like oh okay the mystery I kind of saw coming at the end. Um, we'll get to that one thing in a second. There's so people keep trying to kill the doctor. At one point, they're having a meeting in the jail cell, and somebody throws a, a thing of dynamite into the prison. Prop person had so much dynamite. They're like, we're gonna work this into every episode. So much dynamite. By the way, the next occurrence of dynamite is, is the, it's an insane amount of dynamite. We'll get that. <laughs> uh, it's, it, I mean, it's like it, this show is cartoonish, but it is a cartoonish amount of dynamite. Uh, <laughs> This was well, the issue with this dynamite, however, is that so they throw it in and they're locked in a jail cell, so they can't get to the dynamite, right? Uh huh. <laughs> this dynamite takes so long to detonate like five solid minutes. Like, it takes so long to the point where they're able to he reaches, 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 can't get it, calls Comet over from the outside. They threw the window, he yells to Comet. Comet comes over, they tie a rope to the bars of the window and the Comet. And then Comet's able to, like, pull half the jail down? He pulls the fucking wall off. Which seems like one horse maybe can't do that. I don't like, think Like, maybe so. you need, like, a bunch of horses. When I get, like, to a degree that, like, maybe the mortaring and everything back in the day was Probably. pretty flimsy. But then how are you not constantly living in fear that a stiff wind is going <laughs> to blow your wall down? <laughs> I, I would think, honestly, that the craftsmanship back then was pretty solid. Yeah, that's why we still see a lot of those buildings. You know what I mean? Like that's okay. why buildings from the past are still a thing you can go visit. Why the Alamo is still like, then, exists. So yeah, this that makes no sense. That's to a me. supernaturally strong horse. One one goddamn horse. Um. So the the, the mystery, the mystery as it were, uh, the murder is there's a witness that hears him. The hears the guy yell, "No, Carter, don't kill me!" Uh, and then they find a derringer. I actually kind of like that scene. They find a Derringer, which is what the guy was killed with. And uh, Briscoe is, uh, they're, they're having, they're questioning the guy who sold the Derringer to the friend, the doctor. Because they have proof that he had bought this Derringer yeah. the, the, a couple days before. And Briscoe's all like, oh, I got this one in the bag because I figured this out. And he goes to the guy and he says, how many, you know, you've been here for how long? I says, I've had the shop for 20 years. And he goes, in, in that time, how many hundreds and Whatever Derringers have you sold? And he's like, oh, zero. I haven't sold any Derringers. This <laughs> was like, what the fuck? You told me yesterday that you sold the dozens and dozens and dozens of these Derringers. He's like, yeah, I was lying. I just thought you wanted to buy a Derringer, and I didn't want to tell you it's a girl's gun. I just made me... That, like, that uh, thing, it made me laugh very hard. Um, just because uh, Bruce Campbell's selling of it is so over the top. Yeah. That, like, his eyes bug out all crazy. Like, it just really made me laugh. Well, I also always love that idea with Derringers. I, I understand that it's sort of a foppish gun, but it's sure. still a gun. Yeah, like, still can shoot. Everyone's like, you. this is a pussy-ass gun. It's like, I don't know. It's still kill. Like, if we're talking about it killing someone. Right, like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I get that it's like, a, like he's like, yeah, most men want a Colt or a whatever sure. out here. But like, yeah, I, I want a little gun I can hide in my boots. So and petite. then I still like get nice. to shoot you. Yeah. It's got a little pearl, mother of pearl handle and shit. Yeah, it's, nice. it's classy. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Whole thing turns out he... Uh, all right. So <laughs> one thing you need to know is that the... the this fucking episode is very is very confusing. It is. It's not confusing, but it's a lot of shit going on. Um, one, uh, Socrates is reading uh, Mark Twain. I don't remember the book. Something Pug Wilson or something. I don't remember. I'm not up on my Mark Twain, if I'm being fair, honest. Uh-huh. Uh, but in that book, they talk about the advent of fingerprint science. And how everybody's fingerprints are unique. This yeah. is new at the time. Um 
So when he sees that when Bruce Campbell figures out the Derringer thing, he goes, oh, I've solved this. I've got it. The Doctor has some sort of weird microscope projector situation going on. Like a 1800s steampunk projector. like That like operates off like a Bunsen burner. Yeah, so basically he like you can take a slide with like a cell, like cells or whatever on it and light a Bunsen burner and that light projects an image bigger of whatever. So he goes and gets that shit from the lab, brings it to the, jet, to the court, and he's like, I'm going to solve in one witness. I will prove that my client is innocent and I will prove who actually did the crime. And it turns out that the man, the, the man said him, like, killed himself. He was already going to die. That's another thing. There's so many fucking facts going on in this Yeah, episode. because he had a heart condition and he was dying. And so he, he just had like a to, month to live. And he yeah. just wanted to fucking get revenge on everybody he could. So he poisoned that guy's fucking herd. And then he's going to set up the, uh, the man who cuckolded him. Actually, everyone's mad at the right wing for bringing cuck into our language. I'm kind of happy it's back into our lexicon. <laughs> it's a good word. Um, so he's going to fucking set the man up who cuckolded him with his wife to swing. He's going to hang for killing him when really he killed himself. And But they're like, oh, but the, the Derringer was found so far away from the scene. How did he do that? He must have an accomplished accomplice. Dun, dun, dun. Horny nurse. It was horny, horny nurse. nurse. It was horny nurse, and also it was it was just horny nurse because he wouldn't give me that dick, so he has to die. That's his. That's it. So hard up for dick that you're willing to like get into this whole plot. Yeah, it's that's... a crazy plot which ends in the death of an innocent man. Yeah, I mean, dick makes people crazy. I guess. I, I, but I lack of dick apparently does. Insane. <laughs> uh, but here's so here's how he pro- he proves this. Uh, he's he's. So he's like, every look at your fingerprints. He goes this whole fucking Matlock ass speech at the end. Your fingerprints are all unique. And like, what is this? Where is this coming from? And fucking Socrates is like, Mark Twain. And they're like, that's a fictional book, stupid. And then the other, but Bruce Campbell's like, so did noted British anthropologist so and so in his book, The Science of Fingerprints or whatever the fuck it is. As if any of these fucking hillbillies. One, know who the fuck that is. Two, are going to care about some British anthropologist book. It made no sense. Yeah, it's really banking on the jury of this sort of thing being well-read or anything or like that. Or being trusting of science. Like, this isn't even like a... Like, the, the judge is already proven to be like, he doesn't give a shit about law. Mm-hmm. Like, a, he, he's like, I care about justice, that's it. So, like, people don't, he doesn't get to talk to his witness, he can't call whatever, they're like, I don't care, like, overturning real things just because he doesn't like it. Well, they sell it as charming, too. They're, like, the judges, like, they, they almost, like, they, you're supposed to think the judge is kind of silly. Yeah, yeah, And it's like, no, you're corrupt and scary. Yeah, <laughs> you're terrible. You're, you're, this is how innocent people go to jail. Uh, so he says, like, so he proves that, that fingerprints are unique to everybody, then he takes fingerprints from everybody and puts them on... Uh, from Matt, and he projects them. And he's like, and as you can see, the fingerprint from my client. Well, he, he's like, there should, there's hundreds of people. He's like, 20 people have held that Derringer at this point. And he does the classic move of, they've all touched a Derringer, but only one person has touched the bullet casing inside the Derringer. Ah, which is like, yeah. kind of tropish, but it works. So that's where they go. Whoever killed the man's fingerprint is on the bullet, not the gun. That's where they find the man who's dead's fingerprint. He killed himself. Uh, and they are able to prove that the nurse was the. Uh, because of a, the name of a lawyer that she got mail from or some such. And then she just did the classic bad guy move of, like, grabbing the sheriff's gun and being like, you just don't get it! Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Dead! Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't just, like, hold the gun and then look at it and just be like, oh, it's so dick-like, and just get lost in a <laughs> phase. Um, and then uh, well, the wife saves the day, right? Wife knocks her out, saves the day, everybody's free to go kind of a whatever episode for me a lot of convoluted back and forth not a ton of like awesome like humor or anything there's like no real gunfights oh uh, the big gag is that fucking socrates uh snores oh yeah there is the sleepover yeah but, but i couldn't care less about that well and then there's a sad part like socrates thought he was getting some of that good good and she wasn't even into well him. no that's the that's oh is that not, the next one that's not that episode that's the Dixie Cousins episode. Oh, whoops, whoops, whoops. No, that's fine. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> but first, Showdown is the next episode. Yeah, which yeah, I yeah. fucking loved. So much fun. Uh, super fun. And again, it's like, no, it's, this is like, well, more straight up action or whatever, but 
there's more talk of Bly in this episode, which I enjoy. Uh, basically, the premise of this episode is that uh, Briscoe goes back to his old hometown, where bad guys have taken over the town, uh, and he's got to go back in and clean up. He gets called, he gets sent for by a friend of his, this girl Annie, who he knew when he was a little kid, whose father is the current sheriff, who's drinking himself to death because Briscoe's dad died. He, yeah, he feels responsible for not being able to like protect him or like because he's like. He's like friends and like they right, were like right hand like man like deputy or whatever. Yeah, yeah right. and he feels responsible like he didn't like cover his ass. Uh, um, again, another one where the opening is like immediate, which I enjoyed. Um, it opens with the sheriff at the at the bar getting just fucking hammered. And by the way, that bartender had the biggest fucking gin blossom nose I have ever seen. Did you notice the bartender's nose? No, he has a fucking like cartoonish W.C. Fields giant booze hound nose. I did not notice at all. Huge, (laughs) huge. It's all I could see. Like, everyone else was talking, and it was like the nose was talking to me. It was huge. (laughs) Um, The daughter shows up to, like, get the dad to come home because the dad's fucking hammered. Uh, Somebody's, like, so-and-so's looking for him. It's the bad guy. So there's one of this... Again, this is another one where this town is being taken over by, like, a fucking rich baron. Um, that one of that rich baron's sons has killed a man. The sheriff is trying to take him in, but he has no control over anything. And they've sent for fucking Briscoe and Bowler. So Briscoe's there immediately. Like that's why I'm saying about this opening credits. It's our opening sequence before the credits. It's like two minutes in, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, Briscoe's there. He's beating people up. The girl's like, "Thanks for coming. I'm glad you got my letter." Whole episode set up, and we're opening credits. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there was a fun, um, a fun hat throwing. Oh, I laughed so hard at this moment. Uh, there was two things that made me laugh. So Bowler and Briscoe are standing in the doorway while the bad guys are like beating up the sheriff and whatever. And Bowler's like, "Which one do you want?" I was like, "They're gonna split them up and go beat up these guys." And Briscoe goes, "All of them." And there's two bad guys standing in front of him. Briscoe grabs them by their shoulders, bumps them into each other, and that knocks them completely unconscious he it's the most gentle like he but he almost it's as if they didn't know it was coming so they didn't play along so he just sort of gently bumps these two men's shoulders together and they are completely knocked unconscious uh, at which point he then throws his hat at the other bad guy to like which knocks the man's gun out of his hand like it's i love it so much it's like it was like he threw like a like a fucking metal tray at him or something like there was like any weight behind that yeah hat. he pulled an odd job except yeah. his hat his, <laughs> his his hat isn't a blade it's just a hat yeah like. it's just a hat but that man sold it like he threw like hot oil on it or something <laughs> Oh, that made me laugh, really. I think the hat knocks him over, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I, I, oh, that really made me laugh. Um, I like the main bad guy, like the big Baron, the, the I don't know, I can't remember his name, it doesn't really matter. Brakeman, I think is his name. Um, or is that the U.S. Attorney? It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> there's uh, some great names in this episode, though. Uh, one of which, I'm jumping ahead, I know, but the name... Utah Johnny Montana is my favorite name in the world. Yeah, like it so much. And we find that, well, first off, he's a he's a, like a gun for hire who doesn't talk because he's taking a bullet in the throat. And he has a little guy doing his talking for him. Little guy, by the way, John Hawks. Is that who that is? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. He's so good. He's fantastic. He's so good in everything. Um, He's doing his talking for him. And he says, used to go by... T- Utah Johnny Cougar Montana, but he drops the cougar because he thought it was pretentious. It's, it's so fun. It's so unnecessary and so great. Um, Anne is uh, again pretty sexually aggressive with uh, with Briscoe. Well, she's, he, like, she's like a badass. She handles a gun and stuff. She's yeah. not purely about that dick, but she's also about that dick. Well, it's like also hers feels earned because like we're like horned up nurse. It was like out of nowhere, and like with like Anne or Annie, yeah, Annie. Annie. Um, like it's like nostalgia. Dick. They have yeah, <laughs> like it's like dick. <laughs> it's like oh, pleasant memories of Dick gone by. It's like Rose Point Blank or something. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. oh, they, you're back in town. They definitely have a past. Yeah, lots of stories about them. Like getting caught by the dad or whatever. So yeah, they definitely it's yeah, not no, out that's of not like some strawberry wine shit. Like that's Deanna Carter talking. It's not out of nowhere, but it is also like pretty strong. They go like at one point they go for like a walk or whatever and they're kind of sitting by the lake 
And she's like, you want to go for a swim? And he's like, oh, I'm not dressed for that. She's like, you're supposed to be undressed for that. And yeah. then, and she's, there's a thing like, uh, he says something about I dare you. And she's like, don't you remember? You don't dare Annie. He's like, oh, I remember. And she goes, dare me again. I dare you. <laughs> That's some, that is some shit yet awesome writing. I thought it was cute. I thought yeah, it, yeah. I was, I was 100% into it. Uh, so they go skinny dipping. They hook up a few times. It's pretty fun for them. There is a so <clears throat> uh, they they arrest one of the bad guys. They're going to arrest another bad guy. He is uh, he gets that bad guy gets broken out of jail or whatever. So they have to go arrest him again. Uh, and she's like, she's going to be upstairs at the at the saloon. Uh-huh. And, he's, and he says, oh, old uh, Lucy or whatever her name is, renting rooms by the hour still. And she's like, oh, yeah. And Bola's like, what? What's going on up there? And they go, you don't want to know. Why the fuck does anyone? What are you talking about? Because he's a child. He's a, no, he's a, a large man. It was a very strange way to respond to that. Like, like that was a very weird moment for me. And then I love the fact that when they go up into this room where the prostitution is happening, she's just giving him a like fully clothed massage. You yeah, know what she, I mean? She's working They're, up to she's, it. She's wearing a full on dress, like with <laughs> ruffles and layers and fucking bodice work. And he's also dressed like just, <laughs> this is like the weakest fucking prostitution I've ever seen. It was like it's like a dry county. Like a massage is considered prostitution. Yeah. There. Like no touching. Uh, there's a oh man. There's a couple of moments in this episode that I absolutely love. Uh, um, that whole massage bit where they trade her out is real really fun. funny. It's real fun. Like they. Uh, they uh, bowler sneaks in and takes over, rubbing his shoulders, and the guy's like, "Oh, that feels real good," or whatever. Yeah, just seeing him massage somebody is really silly. He because he like his movements are he seems like a stage actor because a lot of his movements are very broad, yeah. and very sort of exaggerated, but in like a fun way. So when he's rubbing him, he's got these like long fingers, and he's like really fucking working these hands. <laughs> it was super fun, uh, and then he like picks him up and beats him up. It's you know it's a good time for all. Uh, there's a great moment. Where so there's they're kind of rounding up bad guys and like they this bad guy is uh, like trying to force everybody to sell him their land so he can take over this whole valley and uh, Briscoe's like there's one family left the Nordlingers um, which I make a note of that name because it is important for a line that I fucking love uh, so we cut to like so Briscoe's gonna go protect them we cut to the Nordlingers house the Nor- mama Nordlingers like chopping wood while dad Nordlingers doing something else. The two bad guys roll up. They've got torches. They got bandanas on their house, on their faces. They're going to burn them out of the house. They run inside. The, like the Nordlingers run inside, and then you hear the bad guys go, "Get out here, you Swedes!" <laughs> that is such a weird like. I, I get it, but like I did not know that was a like a point of racial hatred at some point in this country to just be really mad into Swedes. <laughs> it fucking made me laugh. And then uh, Briscoe and Bowler are already in the house. So they come inside, like, get out of here, you Swedes. They kick the door open, and then you hear, you see the one guy's face go, you're not Swedish. And it cuts to fucking Bowler. He's like, oh, you don't think I'm Swedish? <laughs> <laughs> goofy I, this episode is full of just goofy shit like that, but still also, like, some stakes. Uh, although there's a fight. They proceed to have a fight, and then... Uh, <laughs> Fucking Briscoe, the guys try to stab Briscoe, like they're he's struggling for the knife. And then Briscoe hits him with a fucking goose. Like he grabs it by the head and swings it at him and I knocks him unconscious. Down. Hit with a goose. <laughs> and Bowler goes, uh, so Briscoe looks at Bowler and is like, Oh, that's pretty good. I should deputize you. And Bowler's like, Deputize the goose. <laughs> there's so many gag. This episode is so gag heavy. Uh, there's a couple of guys who are constantly racing through town on their horses like come flying down main street on their horses at which point uh on the second time briscoe's like i gotta go i gotta go catch those guys uh and there's a little line of like uh they're like oh you'll never catch them they have the fastest horses in the county well they haven't met comet of course comet can run them down but he literally pulls them over and then has a traffic stop which I fucking loved. He pulls him over. He's like, you have any idea how fast you were going? Get down here. You've been drinking. And he makes them do like a field sobriety test. Bent, like lean back and touch their noses and shit. I just, it's like, this episode is, there's a couple different like sort of types of episodes at this point that I really enjoy. I like them, the Orb episodes a lot because they tend to be more serious 
and more sort of mythology based. But then a lot of these standalone actiony ones, when they go real heavy with the camp like this, it just they found a tone that really works. Yeah, it's really it's really silly. I also like there's something in here that I or was really strange. But what was the deal with the little precocious donut boy? Okay, so I loved it. It doesn't make any sense. It never comes back. It doesn't anno- come back. Which, I was like, which I annoy- I was annoyed by. But it's all set up for one stupid joke. Um, so Bowler's walking down. He sees this little kid, and this little kid says something like, "He's kind of a dick." Honestly, the little kid's just like. Who are you? Or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he's like, oh, I'm working with the sheriff. And he's like, you know Briscoe County Jr.? Everybody says he's going to do... He's like the best in the land, and he's going to fix everything. And Bowler's like, they ever say anything about me, Lord Bowler? And the kid's like, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> but Briscoe County Jr., man, he's just the best. Like, there's this whole sequence. Uh, and then he goes, hey, he says, what are you eating there? He goes, oh, it's a donut. You want one? He goes, you got extras? Yeah, I got a whole bunch. You want a pot? You want a powder? You want jelly filled or custard? It's custard. And he eats a donut, and he's, he's like, you should get going before anybody's missing you. Uh, he's like, thanks for the donut. The kid goes, oh, yeah, no problem. He's like, see you later, Duncan. It's all set up for a Duncan Donuts gag, oh. which doesn't even make sense because it's not. That's not what Duncan Donuts is. Dunkin' Donuts is not Dunkin's Donuts with, like, an apostrophe. It's Dunkin' like you dunk a donut. So that joke just doesn't make any sense. That completely flew over my head. I did not catch it all. I was, like, I was just like, why do we have this scene with this precocious little, like, donut boy? Yeah, like, yeah. That was it. It was all a setup. It was one of those, like, future gags that they love doing okay, on these shows. Also, donut boy sounds like an insult. It does. Definitely. Yeah. It definitely uh, it sounds like you're maybe... Little, like, you're just a little donut boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, um... But that scene, while it never pays like that, I don't think that joke payoff works at all. The, there's it's two. There are two moments like that for Bowler in this episode. There's that one, and then the other one when he fixes that couple's argument. Like mm-hmm. he's like walking down the street, and this couple starts fighting. Realizes, like, ah, what's going on? Enough, hey, quit it, quit it. And she thinks that the boy, the guy is cheating on her. But it turns out he's working extra job at night so he can buy her an engagement ring or whatever. But there's this whole sequence where she's like, arrest him for two timing. This was so weird. Which one? You, I don't think you're gonna arrest somebody for. Even back then, he's arrested for two time, and uh, and Bowler's like, "You got any proof?" And she goes, "A woman knows." He says, "Good enough for me. Come with me." <laughs> like, all right. Uh, but I, what I liked out of that scene is like, so he gets them together, and then Bowler kind of has a moment of like, you know, this job's all right. Like he has this moment of like, uh, you know, you get to have some, like, you get to do some good as a deputy or whatever. Yeah, he's having a fun B plot. Yeah, he is. He's having a fun B, which I kind of like. Want to see if it pays off. Uh, I don't think, based on his reaction to being offered a federal agent job in the next episode, I don't think it will. But that being said, it's fun. Um, basically, there's another ridiculous attempt on Briscoe and uh, Annie's life where the bad guys show up, lasso him in the street, tie either end of the ropes to like a thing so they can't move, and then try to fucking make a stampede run over them. Yeah, it was the second stampede in two episodes. Lots of stampedes. Little stampede heavy. But also, what I didn't understand here was the father had just gone and hired Utah Johnny Montana right before this this uh, stampede sequence. So I was like, why would you bother with this very elaborate, goofy destiny when you've paid for supposedly the fastest gun in the West to come kill this guy. Like, at least have him try it. My understanding of it, or what I thought was going on, was that like some of his lackeys were, like, operating independently. One of his lackeys was his, son, was his dumb son, Olaf. Yeah. And I think he was, like, trying to sort of prove himself or whatever. That's what I thought was going on. Like, there was there were too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's another thing where Olaf had snuck a, a knife into the other brother in jail. So there's a moment where uh, Annie and uh, Briscoe are, like, making out on the bed, and then the father comes in, and he's, like, not saying anything, uh, and then he falls down, and he's got a fucking, he's got the knife stuck in his back. Yeah. But I love that scene, because that hotel is far from the jail cell. It's not like it's upstairs. It's not like the jail is downstairs, and they're upstairs. So he had to, like, stumble out of the jail, stumble down the street. Find a hotel, stumble upstairs of the hotel. Check a couple rooms, <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I fucking really made me laugh. Um, 
the they Johnny Utah Johnny Utah Johnny Montana shows up. He takes the dad hostage because dad's alive. For some reason the dad gets dad in the back, and it I know it sounds silly. It, it sobers him up immediately. Like not just the fact of like oh this hurts I got to pay attention. He's immediately like not an alcoholic. Uh-huh. He doesn't have the DTs. He just has a bandage on, and he's like I'm ready to help. Yeah, and when they had like they they did have like a pretty like alcoholism real talk scene earlier, yeah, which yeah, was like Briscoe like, Brisco dealing with some real a very special episode of Briscoe County Junior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets mad and like smashes the that, uh, the sheriff's bottle of whiskey on the wall and has his whole like I'd be ashamed. He, my dad'd be ashamed to ride with you. So am I or whatever. Just once in my life, once in my life, I want to do a speech like that. I like in in a show or something. And he. What I laughed too is like so this this yelling at the sheriff sequence is happening in front of Bowler and Annie, and afterwards Annie's like thanks Briscoe and I was like, I mean I know he had to do it but it also feels weird to be like thanks for emasculating my father in front of <laughs> the only two friends he has it really it meant a lot. Um, there's a whole thing of uh, they got to go rescue the dad because he gets taken by Utah Johnny Montana. They're going to exchange him for the locked up son or whatever. There's a shootout. Uh, Bowler knocks a bunch of these guys out, but, but the end result is that Briscoe is going to have to have a one-on-one duel with Utah Johnny Montana, who's supposed to be this horrifically fast gun. And we've there's already scene, seen him. There's a scene in the beginning yeah. when we first meet him where another guy wants the, the wants the bounty on, on Briscoe, essentially, and uh, through the mouthpiece, through John Hawks, he tells him, take out your gun. Pointed at Mr. Utah, he will leave his gun holstered until he sees your tri- your finger twitch, at which point he will defend himself. The guy's like, you're crazy, so he's got his gun holding on him, and the guy's still able to outdraw him, shoot the gun out of his hand. Bowler tells him about how he killed a comp, somebody, some like famous lawman. Yeah. They say Utah Johnny Montana had taken out, and that guy was like the fastest gun ever, so Briscoe's all nervous. Or There's a lot of lore. There's a lot of lore about how fucking impressive Utah Johnny Montana is. Then also, I kind of enjoy the fact that he doesn't show up until after everything. Like, the bad guys are already taken out, right? Briscoe knocks out the dad. The, they're all in custody. Then Johnny Utah shows up and still has to have, still wants to duel because he doesn't leave anything undone or whatever. Yeah, because yeah, it's about his own, like, it's like weird code. Yeah. Whatever. It's fucking tense as shit, and it really, I, I, lo- I actually very much enjoyed how they pulled this, how they handled this. So it's a very tense moment. They're standing there, you know, fucking flipping the thing off the holster. Lots of shots of like them stretching their fingers, ready to draw, and then they draw, and Briscoe not only outdraws him, but shoots a bullet down the barrel of Utah Johnny Montana's <laughs> gun and explodes it in his hand. Which I one thing I love about that is one, like his hand, he's doing the oh my hand thing. It makes John Hawks fall over. Like, John Hawks is not physically involved in this at all. He's just standing on the other side, and he just goes, Ah, Johnny! And, like, passes out, which I thoroughly loved. But I also like, let your hero be a fucking badass. Yeah. You know what I mean? Briscoe County is supposed to be this fucking mythic figure, too. So ha- let him be, like, it doesn't have to be, like, oh... He barely snuck by with the whatever. No, he fucking dominated. He put a goddamn <laughs> bullet down the barrel of his gun because I'm Briscoe fucking County Jr. Like, I like that a lot. It was really fun. Also, yeah. I like how John Hawk's reaction was as if he was, like, Johnny Montana Utah's familiar. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, he like could, he was, whatever happened to him, he felt. Yeah, you know for I mean? sure. <laughs> Just like, wow, no! yeah, yeah, fucking loved it. Uh, and then we, like... Uh, we see Briscoe and Bowler, and Briscoe's like, he killed Comp Edmonds or whatever the guy they say killed? And Bowler's like, no, I just made that up. I wanted you to be on your toes or whatever. Like Sometimes I'm just talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they were both just like, eh. Like, it was funny to them that they, like, this guy thought he was going to be a threat. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? yeah. I just, I really enjoyed the way they handled that. Um, I also like that... Uh, U.S. Attorney Breakstone will be a recurring character. He comes up again more in the next episode. Uh, he's the guy, the Fed, that comes to pick up these bad guys. So the whole thing was they've had a... We haven't said this, but they've had a... They needed to keep the bad guys locked up for like two days for the Feds to come pick them up on these murder charges. Yeah. But now they have a bunch of them because they sent all of the bad guys with them. And then uh, Annie and him have a little moment of like... She says something about... Uh, don't you want to go? I guess you have to go. And he says, well, I have some leads I want to try on, on Blythe, but they can wait on John Bly. He wants some leads to follow up on, but he's like, they can wait. And she says, uh, not forever, though, right? He says, let's just start with today. 
And then they kind of walk off holding hands. And it's like cute and sweet. And like, excuse me, old timey sweet. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's two affirmations in this episode and then then the next one um, that I really like. I took like a little awe from like Mm. just like the one day at a time or let's start with today. Let's not worry about forever. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks for that affirmation. Yeah, Risco yeah, County yeah. Junior. I'm going to write that down in my journal. <laughs> like, it felt, it felt valuable. Yeah, and also it felt, like, uh, genuine. For as campy as it is, and for sort of one-dimensional as Bruce Campbell's acting can be, he actually kind of has two dimensions, which are action hero, let's get stuff done, and then sort of, like, aw shucksy when it heart. comes to the lady stuff, heart. And he's fine, he's good at that. Uh, so There's I'm, something also something, even with like some body jokes or even in Evil Dead or even in any of those things. There's something that's sort of throwbacky, um, innocent, like sort of like good, good, just charming. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah he's like, he's kind of like corn fed, like you know what I mean. Yeah, salt of the earth kind of charming dude, and it works. Um, <laughs> fucking, I enjoyed all. Like, yeah, I really liked that episode. And you goddamn right, I like the next episode. Like the next episode, deep in the heart of Dixie, Dixie's back. Dixie Cousins is back, singing the same song. <laughs> um, again, these again, another one. Fucking super fast opening. We're gonna get right to it. Uh, Dixie. So the wax cylinder is a very important uh, technological advancement that's happening at this time it's yeah. like a record it's essentially a recording device if you don't know about wax cylinders sort of pre-records right and i want to say this right now beginning of this episode i don't know what's going on with uh bruce campbell but briscoe's looking real hot in this episode oh yeah i think he's a little scruffier okay. or something he's a little unshaven i'll buy that a little wild-eyed and i was like oh and I'm not normally like, like I'm not normally like that attracted. He's a handsome man, but sure. I was like, okay, Briscoe. <laughs> yeah, he's got maybe he's a little a uh, little dirtier, a little ruggeder in this episode. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, Dixie Cousins has, was singing and recording her voice. There's a line where fucking uh, so they're play like they're showing Briscoe and Socrates this piece of equipment, this wax cylinder, which is a real thing. That's real. Yeah. technology. It was a way of recording sound in the 1800s or whatever. Um, and Briscoe's like, they're like, oh, it's like they say something like it's a like a, from like a memo machine for like taking notes as opposed to writing them down. And Briscoe's like, well, it doesn't just stop there. Let's just think about music. You can listen to your favorite song anytime you want. And Socrates says, like, who'd want to listen to a song more than what? Like, who'd want to listen to a song over and over? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, those moments can be they either work or they don't. I felt like Dunkin' Donuts it did not work. I felt like this was a little more successful. Turns so she's singing this. She accidentally catches a conversation on tape. Between this uh, politician and a bad guy, and it basically proves how corrupt this politician is. And this guy is going to be like the next president or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so the U.S. attorneys has to get a copy of the, has to get this wax cylinder, and they've got to keep Dixie alive. Um, but there's already been an attempt on her life, which is the opening of this, which is the absolute opening of this episode, which is Briscoe and Socrates walking down the street, and then a gun battle breaks out, and then I, you kind of see Dixie a little bit. She disappears. Credit. Yeah, and then, like, the assassin that's after her is Winston Smiles. Winston Smiles is dope. And I forgot, I looked it up, who he is. Yeah, I couldn't, I, I, he's been in a thousand things, and I cannot remember. So, oh, no, I remember, I remember, I remember now. He is the scientist in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Universe. Yeah, word. And that's what I remember him from. Um, And I was like, who is this guy? He's a British character actor. So good. Um, but yeah, I remember he's the one that makes Toka and Razor. <laughs> uh, he's great in this episode, I thought. He has a, um, a lot of like just classic fucking like he should be twisting a mustache villainy. You know I, I mean? love the non... Because like these days... These days we're in a, a world where all assassins are like ninja assassins. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this guy is just... Like set shit, shut, sets up dominoes and lets them fall. Yeah, or like sneaky poisons people. Yeah, he's not super strong or right. anything. He's just supposed to be smart. Right, exactly. Yeah. Which I really, yeah, and I enjoyed that. He, but and he also just sort of oozed fucking villainy. Like he was like the way he talked. He had like this erudite British way of speaking, that uh-huh. was real different from everybody else. I do want to add. 
all bad guys. We didn't really mention it in the previous episode, but it, it happened again. It did happen in the previous episode. All bad guys appear to have an elaborate lair in the woods or in a cave where they have very fancy dinners. Mm-hmm. He like so he, this main bad guy has a bunch of little underlings working for him. They were the ones who took their first attempt on Dixie and missed. Uh, and we have a scene at a dinner where they are in the woods, but there's a lot of like silver candelabras and fucking, <laughs> like like crystal on the table. Uh, which I just love the idea that these guys like they're constantly on the run. They're constantly chasing after Briscoe, but and beforehand they have to pack up. They gotta like wrap the crystal glasses in paper. Yeah, they don't want it to break. They'll you know be damned I mean? if they're gonna like eat out of some like like hammered tin. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No pewter for us. Uh, but that scene's also great where he's like. He's trying. He's giving them. He's like, let me tell you how you can actually kill somebody. Like, it doesn't have to be bullets. For instance, he takes out a little thing of poison. He says, Sm- smell this, and the guy smells like a cyanide. He says, oh yes, you know it by the scent of bitter almonds. Um, now smell this, and he puts some flowers in front of him, and it's violets. And he says, well, violets actually have a thing in them that will uh, short circuit the olfactory system, so you can't actually smell right away. Which is why, even though he just noticed it. He just was able to identify cyanide. He's not currently smelling it in the pheasant that I fed him. Pheasant a la cyanide. And the guy fucking... And he goes, please pass the salt. And then the guy <laughs> falls over dead. It was just the way he said it I really enjoyed. So he just has shit like that that I, I like. So Briscoe gets tasked with finding Dixie, finding the wax cylinder, and keeping her alive until... Lots to get. Right. Second, uh, secondary to that... U.S. Attorney Breakstone, who showed up at the end of the last episode and collected all the bad guys, hires Bowler to do the same, without telling either of them that they're both on the case. Gives him a little badge. (laughs) Excuse me. I did like that line where he's like, uh, I will make you an official federal agent. And he like looks at it and he's like, this is all I get? Some stupid tin star or whatever? And the guy says, how about $5,000? And Bowler goes, God bless America. (laughs) He has this goofy look on his face. Like, I, I... Really enjoy how much fun Julius Carey, I believe is the actor's name, is having with that bowler character. He's all in. Like, He's 100% committed. Yeah. And just big eyes, like all his facial expressions are huge. He's just clearly having a blast and it, it, it makes it super fun to watch. Uh, there's a line where Di- so she he goes and finds this Dixie singing in some bar. She's wearing a wig. Uh-huh. Uh He like just literally picks her up, throws her over the shoulder, and like you're coming with me. They have a little argument or whatever. But there's a line there where uh, she says, "I'm heading south to Jalisco," and Bris- and Bowler says, "No, you're not. You're going north to Frisco." And she goes, "Forget it, Briscoe. It's just this fucking uh, so ridiculous little silly biscuits." Well, and then also before, so like just before this, like there was something I wanted to set up with like the C plot, where we have with um, <laughs> with uh, Socrates and the secretary. That secretary and so- Socrates has a, a little crush on this secretary. Miss Abnet, yeah. and so she when she she shows up towards the beginning of the episode, Socrates has a crush on her, talking yeah. to Briscoe about it. Blah blah. They're asking her a date. And Briscoe says something to him about like. What, you've never been on a date before? I don't think Socrates has ever been on a no, date. I no, no way. I think that's the setup. Because yeah. he, like, he kind of goes, mm, like, hides. Well, and the reason why I wanted to bring this up more specifically was because Miss Abnet is wearing 75 pounds of clothing. <laughs> she's she wearing a dressed- black jacket. She is wearing a diving suit. She, she, has, is- she has a fucking, this, like, cowl on her fucking dress that comes Three quarters of the way up the side of her head. Yeah, it's she, like covering her ears. She's she's dressed like an eighteen hundred version of the Borg. <laughs> like she she has like parts of clothing costume. like all over. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. The least sexualized woman ever, and I get that that's part of the thing because sure. of what happens That'll later. But reveal, I was like, but yeah, yeah, yeah. how is she not sweltering? Like, uh, I, oh, I promise you, she smelled terrible. Uh, that's all I wanted to bring up because yeah, she's yeah, just wearing yeah, yeah. so many layers. For sure. Um, so we find out that she, uh, Dixie is hidden this wax cylinder in like a monastery in Jalisco. Yes. Um, which we'll get back to because there's a pretty great reveal about that later in the episode. But uh, so they're going to leave to go there. They're taking the long way through the woods. They run into Bowler. Uh, Bowler knocks him off his, knocks Briscoe off the horses like she's coming with me. Uh, 
but runs right into a trap from the spot from the assassin. It literally just like a net shoots up out of the ground and catches it. Like it's a very fucking like wily coyote level of fucking trap that's yeah. set up for him. Uh, but Briscoe then also say comes through, saves her. Uh, they ride to a train. This I got very angry. They ride to a train. They, uh, you know they're on Comet. They jump onto the train, and then you see Comet like trying to keep up with the train. And uh, Dick's like, "What's he doing?" He's like, "Oh, he's trying to keep up with the train." But of course he can't. And you're just gonna fucking leave Comet in the goddamn middle of the desert? I was so angry. I legit was like, even before they have the line of dialogue of, oh, he's trying to keep up with the train, as they're climbing, like, they're still on the horse climbing onto the train. I was like, what the fuck are you going to do with Comet? I was, so, <laughs> I was so mad. Well, I think the idea that we're supposed to get across is that, like, there's been multiple times where Comet's gotten back to him. Sure. Or, like, has, like, a preternatural sense of how to get to uh, Briscoe. And that made me wonder... Is that something horses can do? Are horses like dogs in that way where like they can uh, they like find their way home or whatever? Yeah, and I, I wanted know. I didn't get a chance to do any research, but I wonder if like a horse I'm after after we record this I'm gonna do a little equine study. <laughs> uh, train automatically equals sex. Sure. Um As, like, I mean it's the movement of the train. If there was hay in there, what do you expect them to do? Yeah, they keep having sex. In piles of hay, I mean, because there was an earlier episode when the in the barn, yeah, the barn. fire, mm-hmm. and there's all of this like chemistry, like Dixie Briscoe heat, steam, heat power chemistry, yeah, like yeah, that yeah, they yeah. always have sex around like fire or something for sure. Um, there's so Socrates uh, is basically the the uh, the attorney Breakstone shows up again and says. Whatever, and Socrates kind of is like, look, don't fucking talk to me like that. You'll get the fucking wax cylinder when he gets back. We've mm-hmm. already hired Briscoe. He's a man of integrity, blah, blah, blah. And Miss Abernathy, or whatever her name is, Abnet, is like, oh, that's very fucking forceful of you, or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, and then she, he's like, I was thinking maybe we could have coffee. And she goes, coffee, no. I'll settle for nothing less than dinner. And has this moment, he's all fucking blue. She's like, and then she comes back, and she's like... <laughs> The next time we see her, she's in the office like, I can't wait till Friday. She's just fucking trying to jump his bones on his desk, like, smacking papers off the desk and shit. Uh, She has so much clothes to take off. I can't imagine how long it's going to take to get through all those layers. Uh, His boss walks in on them, and he's like, oh, Mr. Whatever, I can explain. And he goes, no worries, carry on. And fucking walks out, which I thoroughly enjoyed. (laughs) Uh, Because, yeah, I wouldn't give a fuck. One, it's the 1800s. There's no sexual harassment laws. And... They're just fucking two adults, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I guess like, I could see the boss just being like, I mean, you're on the clock. Uh, it's actually it's way past being on the clock. Right? Oh, I guess it's nighttime. It is, yeah. He's like gonna mail some late minute shit or whatever. Uh, um, there's a great moment that I absolutely love. Uh, so they're trying to get to Jalisco to get this wax cylinder, uh, but they don't have a horse because Comet's wherever the fuck Comet is. Uh, but this. Uh, you see a wagon come through, and they're like, oh, we'll ask this guy for a ride. And it's these two Mexican guys who are singing songs, right? And they uh, they see Dixie and go, oh, Dixie Cousins. And so they're like, oh, I guess, I, do I know you boys or whatever? And she says, no, no, we're from Jalisco. You're on the coin. She's like, what? He's like, oh, you're famous ever since the revolution. And it's a call back to that previous episode. Uh, and, like, they've put Dixie's face on a coin in Jalisco <laughs> after the revolution. And she's, like, the most famous person there because of her. They didn't get the guns. And I like that Briscoe was like, what about, you know, I was there, too. Like, I was a little bit involved. Think of a shit. It was all about her, which I enjoyed. Um, there's a bunch of moments of Briscoe and her and Dixie having the, like, well... Do we or don't we conversation? There's a moment where Briscoe says, "Like I'm a little afraid of, uh, make, like it's like I don't know if I'm ready for a commitment. I'm afraid of settling down." And then Dixie's like, "Well, I'm afraid of not settling down. She wants she wants a commitment, which feels very out of nowhere for her character. Uh huh. Because she's been the miss like, you know, every episode she's in another city, she's doing something else, she's with another dude, you know? Well, I think that she's, like, looking for an anchor point, and she hasn't found one, so that's why she keeps shifting. Fair but, enough. like, um, I don't know, I I identified with that moment of, like, depicting a relationship with, like, really strong communication, but very mm. un- non-traditional. Sure. I thought it was surprising for a show in the mm-hmm. 90s to have 
them having a very, like, very frank conversation about it. Right. Like, it's not about, like, ownership or, like, anything like that. It's like, hey, what are we doing? Yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah, a yeah. very casual conversation almost about it. Absolutely. I thought that was um, cool. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I also like, I, I like Cheeky Bowler. Yes. There's a couple of moments. There was one so in he the Annie episode. He gets Comet. He finds Comet. He gives him an apple. Comet doesn't normally like anybody riding him, but Bowler's like, hey, you know we're fr- friends with Briscoe. Here, I got an apple. Come on. And Great chemistry. Great ke- he's great chemistry with that horse. He really does. Yeah. Um, so he gets Comet. He meets up with them. Uh, and there's a moment there where he says, like, he's talking to Briscoe about something, and Dixie shows up, and he's just like, oh, I think I hear the uh, Hermanos boys calling my name. And he kind of gives... Briscoe a little elbow, and there's a moment that happens with that previously in the in the showdown episode with him and Annie, where uh, he's like, "Oh, that's the so that's the girl you call the little sister." So you know, a lot of brothers look at sisters; they don't look at him like that. And he's got like this big smile on his face. I like cheeky, like, "Oh, go on, get you not not not, not like go on, get you some like a gross dude way, but in a like, oh, you two are good together. Like, yeah. go, you know what I mean? Like, cute. That, he's cute. He's very cute, and I enjoy that that energy very much. And now that they're like. Uh, they're really advancing into being like partners. Yeah. That Briscoe bowler energy is working really well for me. Yeah. And so then they end up at this point, they've made it down to the mission. Not, the mission. Mission is the word I was looking for. Oh, well, cause we said monastery. I said monastery before. Yeah. yeah I guess. I don't know. What, Spanish mission. Sure. 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 Down there. Yeah. And they're we there f- with all the nuns. We and find out that Dixie was raised. She, well, first off she was taken in by a, a Cherokee tribe and raised as one of their own for like eight years. As a child. As a child. Yeah. Then she was sent somewhere else, like a, like another type of religious place. Maybe the Jewish part, I don't remember. Uh, for a number of years. And then she went to this mission because she was going to become a nun. Uh, but it didn't take. <laughs> Which is, I love that's all the excuse. There's no like, I had this great moment or I fell, I fell in love, whatever. It's like, it just didn't take, so I left. Um, but she knows all the, the, the nuns down there, so they, were, they took her in and would hide the wax cylinder for But the bad guys have, fought, have shown up there. I haven't even followed them, because there's a whole sequence where they're going to drag Briscoe by a train, because um, they had gotten the train to stop and whatever, so it was like a whole sequence there. It was fun, but we don't really need to no. talk about it. Um, so there's like, how did they find them there or whatever, but they've... They have to hide, like, they dress up as nuns. Yeah, and they're all in, like, the crowded So they courtyard. walk, they, they come, the bad guys come through a, into a courtyard, and all these nuns are there kneeling with the monks. And they start, like, pulling people's habits off and looking, looking, looking. And then they grab one of them, and Bowler stands up, and he's like, you're a big nun! And fucking punches him out. And then Frisco says, that's what I call a bad habit. Which is just a terrible line on so many levels. It's... I get habit, but, like... It, do- he it doesn't fucking, apply. It doesn't apply. He's not smoking a cigarette, biting his nails. There's no bad habit here. He just yeah. punched him. It doesn't work as a double. Yeah, yeah. It just yeah. doesn't work. But like, I also, do also like, the fact that it doesn't work kind of made me laugh. Yeah. Also, at one point, did someone call him Mister Nun? Or he was like, that's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Mister Nun. That's Mister Nun to you, or something like Which that. Which is Mister Nun is my favorite British comedy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I could see it so much. Where like, absolutely, Rowan Atkins is, is Mister Nun. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Sure. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, there's a great moment where one of the the nurses, one of the nuns, the main nun, knocks out the bad guy from behind with like a shovel or whatever to protect to uh, save Dixie. with a big frying pan, with a big frying yeah. pan to save Dixie and Briscoe. Uh, and they take the the wax cylinder and leave, and then to the, the mother's appearance, she just goes, "Forgive me, father." But that felt good. And I was like, "Yeah, old lady nun, I like it." She was very excited. It was very nice. Uh, um. They, what's fun is like I normally I feel like that would have this them that would be the wrap up of this episode right that guy's unconscious so they could just cuff him they've got the cylinder all the other bad guys are down knocked out or whatever so they could have easily wrapped it up there but they did we go back to I guess it's San Francisco is where the office is right I guess um, and it's like that big like country club where fucking Socrates works and all those rich guys have leather chairs. Yeah, the headquarters. Humidors and shit. Um, but they, so they need to protect Dixie and 
the wax cylinder for like the rest of the night, essentially, because the next morning is when she's going to testify for the grand jury. Exactly. Uh, bad guy shows back up. Winston Smiles shows back up because Ab- Abernathy or whatever it is, Mrs. Abnan, uh, Socrates is hot little number has been a mole this whole time. Oh, she says, "Oh, I'm blown away." By the way, I had fucking seen that coming a mile away. Uh, it still worked. I was fine with it, but it definitely when she just started like trying to mount Socrates, I was like, "All right, it's a little heavy handed." <laughs> like, like something's coming here. Sure. And then what? Particularly that, and then when he just shows up at the mission, and like, how did he know where we were? That clearly there's a leak, and it's going to be out. there. We go. Yeah. Um, so she tries to poison Dixie's food while he, while Winston is sneaking the largest amount of dynamite that is wrapped around a full-on cuckoo clock. A preponderance of dynamite. <laughs> it is so much dynamite, and it is, again, also wrapped around a cuckoo clock, which is the detonator. Uh, he's go, he breaks into the safe because he, he knows the combination because he got it from the, the secretary uh, where the wax cylinder is. Puts the bomb in the safe just as fucking Briscoe is showing up. And sets the, t- sets the timer and locks it in the safe. The t- they have a fight. Uh, Briscoe gets away and he has to go get them to like... He has to go get uh, Socrates and Dixie so they can run out because the fucking building's going to explode. They can't get into the yeah. safe to, to turn off the detonator. Fucking... Bowler is standing guard. Bowler's downstairs standing guard. He's not supposed to let anybody in. The U.S. Attorney has shown up. Now, he knows the U.S. Attorney. This is what I actually really liked. He knows the U.S. Attorney because the U.S. Attorney is the one who hired him in the beginning of the session. Yeah, right. Uh, and he's like, I don't care who you are. You're not getting in here. And I'm like, <laughs> you know he's the guy they're waiting for. Like, you know it, but he's still like, they told me not to let nobody in. I ain't letting nobody in. It's like, all right, that's fun. He's just sitting there with a shotgun. Made me laugh. Um... They're trying to flee. Winston shows up again, attacks Briscoe. Briscoe knocks him back into the building, just manages to escape. The detonator, the cuckoo clock goes off, and the detonator fucking made me laugh so hard. The detonator is when the bird on the cuckoo clock comes out, there's a match stuck in its mouth that strikes on the top of the thing as the cuckoo bird comes out, and that match hits the fuse for the dynamite. Yeah, it's not like a trigger. It's not a trigger. Because what I love is like, it's a timer. Right? It's set for five minutes or whatever, but then that's five minutes just until the fuse is lit, which is like some more time because yeah. there's also fuse. It just really it's like five thirty two. It five, just <laughs> really made me laugh. It's, it's such a, like a cartoonishly goofy detonator. Just really made me laugh, which I think does cut like the danger the a tension little bit, a little which bit. I think yeah. it has to. Like, sure, I mean yeah. the show's tone is like pretty supposed to be pretty fun, yeah. right? And this at the last few family scenes, and the last few minutes have been. Her trying to, uh, the secretary trying to poison Dixie, they having a fight over Derringer, and then him fighting, uh, uh, Briscoe fighting Winston Smiles while the building's almost about to explode. So it's pretty tense. So you cut that a little bit. Makes perfect sense. They make it out. Briscoe just makes it out. And the fucking headquarters blows up, which I was like, oh shit. Like, I did not expect that to happen. Like, I really didn't expect for them to lose. That's a major like place in this episode yeah like i said like this in my my notes i'm just like this episode was intense like for sure and it's intense in a way that it's still it doesn't it's not orb it's not john bly it's not all those other things where you expect that tension it's sort of its own standalone episode that is also really intense yeah i kind of enjoyed that when i think watching the three of them together this by the time we got to this one i think that it actually made the courtroom the matlocky one Mm fine for me because I, I was like oh we're getting a real variety like episode Fair two enough. was real slapsticky episode the first one that yeah, was yeah, like yeah, yeah. real like sedate sure. and this one was like high tension and i was like this is nice that the show can do all these things it's not, yeah it does have a very varied tone without ever losing the sort of like core, core tone yeah. of the show so it's real good there's a great moment after it all blows up i mean it blows up the building's gone it's in there's like you know a little bit of, of debris left. but it's Yeah, maybe a pillar. And uh, Bowler looks at the, uh, the U.S. attorney and is like, you can go in now if you want. Fucking <laughs> really made me laugh. Um, Dixie and Dixie's going to testify. So what, what I found silly, though, was he blew up the, the wax cylinder. Its wax cylinder was in the safe, so it blew up. It's gone. There's no more wax cylinder. But they're like, oh, well, Dixie can just testify and it's fine. Well, then why the fuck did you go to Jalisco, man? If you just needed her safe. You could have just went back there this whole time. 
Uh, you had her. Like, you added so much extra danger to this trip if you didn't need that wax cylinder. Yeah, I guess it's like doubling down or something. I guess to like make sure. But that being said, she's going to testify and it's fine. Uh, he says he's waiting for her for a date to end. He's starting to think she doesn't show up. Bowler's like, oh, you bought her flowers. Like, he's all fucking like a, He's like, kind of like a little kid with that shit. Yeah. Um, so Briscoe starts feeding the flowers to Comet, which I thought was funny. Uh, and then she does show up after all. And he's like, oh, I thought you changed your mind. And she's like, I did, but then I changed it back. And they're going to go off and have dinner or whatever and have a nice little date. But they're still not, like, settled down. I like that that relationship is, like, always evolving and kind of open and... I like the line so much because, like, he, like, they, they're they going to go on their date. And then he says, well, where do you want to go? And she says, wherever we end up. And I thought that was so sweet. That's like, I, I did, like, a little, <gasps> that's such a good line. For sure. Because you think about that and, like, that's, like, that's an ideal, right? Like, right. you where the person that you're going out with doesn't give a shit where you're going. It's just about being with that person. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah. I, had a, I, I don't know. I no, I'm that all, uh, there's an <laughs> awe shucksiness to all of the romantic stuff in these shows that just work. Yeah, I think I was really hormonal when I was watching these also. <laughs> That'll help. I was like, oh, God, love. Uh, I would very much like uh, Bowler to get a love interest at some point. Mm-hmm. But whatever, don't rush it, I'm fine. Um, again, the first, uh, the courtroom episode was not my favorite, but it was fine. Um, I just felt like some of that, like, it wasn't ever confusing. It was just a lot of like, okay, what now? And then, all right, I got it. And like, yeah, fine. It was fine. It was perfectly fine. Um, but showdown and Dick deep and heart of Dixie, I thought were great episodes. Uh, that last one in particular was super fun. Uh, I'm still very pumped to keep watching. I will need a, uh, orb episode here pretty soon. I bet we're I mean, about to get I one. I feel like we got it. Cause I'd be three in a row of nothing mythology related that's kind of the max for me i need either a blithe episode or an orb episode to sort of tie back into that world sure um which i feel i have no doubt i have complete faith in the show that it's going to be coming around yeah i I mean probably the next episode even for sure i don't i'm not even gonna look i'm gonna wait and find out because i have faith uh what do you want to plug um uh, when is this coming out uh thursday uh i got queer film theory 101 on June 5th at Alamo Drafthouse Mueller. It's a free show. It's really fun. Um, and then, yeah, just check out my other podcast, Why Aren't You Screaming, with Vanessa Gonzalez and Nathan Ehrman on iTunes and SoundCloud. Tight. Uh, I have The Sting next week on Wednesday at... Uh Whew, excuse me, at King B Lounge. Come out for that. It's always a good time. Uh... I'm in San Antonio next month at LOL with Ralphie May, so come see us there if you're in San Antonio. It's going to be super fun. Uh, Check uh, for these updates. We're going to have more podcasts. I promise they're going to be coming much quicker than the last one because we're both home for a little while, so we're going to knock on a bunch of these episodes. And uh, we'll see you next week.